0: to God. Let me invite you to make your way down the aisles. I think we need to go before the throne of glory. The Lord has responded to our praises. The Bible is clear that God inhabits in the praises of his people. And so what you're feeling here today, the guests and friends that are with us, is not simply a congregation that sings and musicians that play, but what you're experiencing here today is actually the presence of the Lord because if God tabernacles himself in the praises of his people and we have been praising him then God is here God is here God is here and the question has to be for what reason the reason he is here is to comfort to strengthen to come alongside you and help you make it through this journey called life when life uh, confuses us or even when situations make us angry and feel the void deep inside. It is the presence of the Lord. It is His glory. Not religion, not philosophy, not eloquent uh, words. It's simply His presence. The Bible teaches in the Old Testament that when the glory would fill the temple, they couldn't do anything else but just bask in His presence. And you know, sometimes we confront things in life on our journey, every single day, whether it's in the workplace or with family or even the storms that rage inside of us, we are sometimes left having questions that are unanswered, situations that cannot be resolved. And we've gone here and there and everywhere trying to bring some solution, some balance back to our lives, and it cannot be found. Let me please suggest to you very humbly that you're looking for God, but in the wrong places. He is closer than what you think. And I believe the presence of the Lord is here. So start making your way out of the aisles. Let's just stand here. And all I want to do is lift up an intercession before the Lord. That whatever you're facing, whatever is before you, whatever challenge at home, inside, the workplace, or church, let's speak to the situation that we're confronting incredible inexplicable loss our heart aches today as we've seen jason be called home so let's not reach this level of religious exercise and let's admit that sometimes we hurt and sometimes we feel deep pain inside and so i challenge you to come and join me here as we pray and lean upon the Lord. There are moments in journey in our life where we just have to fall at His feet. That's it, fall at His feet. And you say, "But I don't know how to pray." The disciples said that very clearly. They said, "Lord, teach us how to pray." So it isn't about the words; it's about what you're feeling in your heart right now. Let us bow our heads. Heavenly Father, what a Sunday to come before your presence. We celebrate your goodness. We celebrate all that you've done for us. We know beyond the shadow of a doubt that your presence is here because we sense something supernatural in the atmosphere. We have declared through our singing that you are God alone. You are the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. You don't need to explain anything to us because you're sovereign, satisfied within yourself. But Father, you also understand our human condition. You understand, Lord, how relationships can be so deeply embedded in our hearts and in our minds and in this church. And today, Lord, we come before you with one person less on this side but one addition to the heavenly realm father we pray that your holy spirit will flood this place would saturate us that your comfort lord which is unspeakable the words cannot describe your peace as the bible says that surpasses all understanding would be poured over our minds our hearts our, our hurting heart and that today Lord as we yield to you that the healing virtue of the Holy Spirit would flow and let us know Lord that things are going to be alright that it's okay to be human and cry with those that cry and hurt with those that cr- that hurt you're not less God no When we understand that and still follow after you, we become more mature and we grow in faith and in relationship with you. Cover this ministry, Lord. Cover this community. Cover those that are watching us via technology. People that have worshiped with us and people that have just been impacted in some way by what we do here in this place. It's all about you. But cover us, dear Lord, with your comfort every man, woman, and child, every member of this ministry, every visitor today, everyone watching us, we bow down before you and worship you. I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Before you move, before you move, we don't usually do it this way, but something happens when, 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 when you're hugged by someone that genuinely cares about you. And in this church, I believe that part of what makes us effective is that we take a few moments. And not, for visitors, this may look like it's out of order, chaotic. doesn't make kind of sense. But there's something about the Christian greeting and a loving greeting. So before, as you make your way back to your seat, don't pass by anyone without making sure you greet them. And it, it isn't the usual Sunday greeting of it's good to see you. In, but greet them in the, care that the the care that the Lord has shown to us. And if you're at your seat, come out of your seat. This just take 5 minutes or so and just greet everybody. Be genuinely happy to see someone here today. good. It feels good in this place. Amen. As you make your way back to your seats at this moment, we're kind of changing our schedule for today, the program that we had, really to uh, address matters of the heart. Uh, It is no secret here that we have suffered this weekend a, a, a huge loss with the uh, passing away of Jason Gonzalez, And for those visitors that are here and and listening to me right now through the internet, Jason was a larger than life person. And um, uh, truly someone, a special needs adult, 31 years old, didn't have much capacity to hold a conversation with you on any subject other than sports. I mean, he could talk about that. And when we think about it, um, and it's sad, but we often go this way, is what did he bring to the table? Oftentimes, rather than judge people by the content of their character and who they are, we sublimate and say, uh, what's in it for me? Because that's what that question means, what he brings to the table. But let me go there, because I think it's important. It certainly wasn't money. It certainly wasn't... uh, that he cleaned your house, that he cooked for you, that he drove you around in his car. Um, sometimes you had to tell Jason, go over there, because he would be so involved in our stuff. Is <laughs> that true? Yes. I think what he brought to the table was a genuine, simple love. Yes. Yes. He just loved. Whether your today walking to church was different, And for many of you, you know, you know it's true. You parked your car and who would be greeting you? You walked into the church and he zipped around and who would be greeting you? And who would help you hurry up? Your wife and husband are waiting for you. Get going. And if you were single, he probably fell in love with you for a little while. But it was an unbiased love. Bear with me for a moment. I, I don't know that I've experienced a more vivid example of what Christ would do than seeing Jason move around in our congregation. Never saw him angry, never saw him upset, took correction very well. He, in fact, he was so dedicated to our church that he was here every service. And when we were closed, too, he was here. He was just everywhere. He went to Nitro, he helped with the pantry that we had. And I guarantee you, if he was alive today, he would be outside helping the ladies go through their not get inside there, but certainly escort you. (laughs) Yeah. You know that's true. We're going to miss him. We already are. I had a sermon today that I was going to preach, and and I prepared. I even told the group before we came up that it's a really good sermon I wanted to preach today. I was going to talk about lessons learned from failure based on our reading. But come Wednesday, I'll 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 teach that preach that on Wednesday. It's ready to go. I have three pages worth of notes. But something happened in the morning service and the Lord just shifted my my attention. And and what I want to do is to speak about matters of the heart and uh, acknowledge our pain, acknowledge our sorrow, and let you know once again that God is more interested in in your aches and pains and the bumps in life than in anything else. And that's what I want to address today. I want to speak to your heart to bring comfort, to help you navigate this. Or what's, what demonstrates true, true, true humanity and true care for another human being is when you're going through crisis and you're able still to be concerned about the welfare of someone else. The word me. Charism- Charismatic comes from the original word charismata, which means gift. But I like the way John Lewis, uh, John, not John Lewis, John uh, Maxwell describes it. And that is getting on someone else's agenda for no reason other than to get on someone else's agenda. Charismata. And so that's where I want to go. So bear with me for a few moments. And I don't have the typical long research notes that I have before I get up here, because I don't dare stand up here and preach to you. You're too smart. You'll see right through. I can't fluff it. But I can definitely speak of the heart today. That's what I want to do. There's a psalm that resonates with me. Listen to this. Listen to this. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom... I trust. Bear with me for a few moments as I talk about in whom. Two words. In whom. As we look around the room and as I am familiar with your stories and so familiar with the trail that humanity takes, whether it's divorce, whether it's cancer visiting you, whether it's a child that cannot be corrected, whether it's bankruptcy, whether it's an unfulfilled dream, we oftentimes place our trust in situations, in people, in programs, in initiatives that end up blowing up and hurting us badly. I don't have to go too far, but I can speak your journey of that person that you love. You gave them your heart. And no matter what, ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough to keep me from you. But today, they're nowhere near you because you trusted. There are those situations that you get involved in business, in your journey with whatever enterprise you're involved in, and you trust people at their word. And sadly, church, many have the propensity to overcommit and not deliver even half of what they committed. So in whom? The psalmist says, in whom? I ask you, in whom? Can we trust science? Let's go there for a moment. Science has so many Wonderful discoveries. And the wonders that can be done today are just incredible. Incredible. How, uh, how, how uh, uh, all their lab work and MRIs. I sat in an MRI recently. They said I had problems with my back. I didn't even have problems with my back. But they told me to do that. And I sat under this machine. I wish I would have invented that machine. <laughs> None of you would have had a problem financially. Well, some of you. because. Huh? Wonders. They could look inside you. It didn't even hurt. It was scary hearing that, mm, you know? <laughs> science is, is, is unbelievable. They can tell what gender you are before you even present yourself into the history of mankind. That is amazing. They can take a test and, and through science be able to determine your propensity for one kind of illness or another. And sometimes we put trust in medicine, and I think you should. I'm not saying don't. But when we put a blind trust and we just confide unequivocally, not asking questions. I always tell my medical doctor, I'm probably the worst patient you can have because I'm going to let you touch this masterpiece. I'm going to ask questions. That's, I do tell them that. And masterpiece, yes, this is a master. Come on, tell yourself this is a masterpiece. And not me, you. You're the best you God ever created. The best you. And we confide in how many times that the medication, you know, this part of this opioid situation that we have is people being over-medicated by medical professionals that are not concerned about the ultimate outcome of you getting addicted to something. Yes. Hallelujah, yeah, it's true. Yes. And that's not a ding or a put down on the medical profession. There's some very good people that, that work in that field. Like very, there's some very good pastors and some, let's leave it there. You trust. How many times they mix up medication? Our family journeyed through that with my nephew. Special needs today because we trusted science. And science let us down. In whom? In whom can we trust? Where can we bank? Sometimes we think it's knowledge. If I just read this book, if I look at that video, if I go take this course, if I get this additional degree, if I'm able then to enlighten myself and find intellectual nirvana, then I'll be able to get to truth and know what truth will be, and I'll have a happy life. I've met so many unhappy PhDs. Knowledge lets us down. I don't know if you know, but this weekend was very significant in another realm. It was a celebration of coffee. Yes, Rabin? It should be a national holiday. There's a few holidays that I know that are on the calendar. Oh, let me not say it. I'll say it. That we should probably think about substituting. When we're alone, I'll tell you what I mean. But. Right? But you hear the reports. If you drink coffee, it's going to kill you. If you drink three cups a day, it's going to save you. The next day is, if you put milk in it, but if you froth it, <laughs> if it's a uh, Bustelo, if it's Maxwell House, if it's instant, I mean, as a coffee, as a, I'm a professionally trained coffee drinker. <laughs> professionally trained. I have an IV line that could show you right now. <laughs> Caffeine zapped right in. I'm so good at it now that I can drink coffee at the end of the day, and I will still be able to sleep. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> But if I was going to listen, in whom, in whom, in whom, in whom? Just using that example to get you with me, stay, to have you stay with me. But in whom? You go buy a car. This is the best car in the world. You're never going to have any problems with it. I've told you my story when I bought that car, it was absolutely beautiful back in 1977, a long time ago before some of you were born. And within 11 months, it blew up. Real pretty, but it blew up. Put your trust. You look at the markets, the economic. Let's talk a little bit about that. Markets. You put your, your trust in institutions, and then all of a sudden, you have the blow up that happened in 2008 where our country almost went under, really went under. Many of you were affected by losing properties and investments simply because we trusted. I sometimes question this thing on the dollar bill. in God, we trust. We trust him, but oftentimes we, we bank in the wrong institutions. And we think we know it all. Or we think we're gifted. We're the best gift that happened. And we put our trust in our abilities. I can do that because I'm really good at that. I can handle that. There's no situation that can overtake me. I'm I'm, I'm street smart. Nobody's going to get over. And we put attention. I'm here to ask you in whom? In whom? Or, Or we put our trust in government and public policy. And we think that that is the solution, that I don't have to worry. I can trust. Well, we need to just not, not go further than uh, Hurricane Maria and the tragedy that's visited my island, Puerto Rico, and find out that maybe I shouldn't have trusted that we would be taken care of. 3.5 million American citizens can't find water to drink, can't send the, school, the kids to school tomorrow that's not a political statement that's po- I push on policy I don't, I don't make political statements but I push on policy something is wrong with putting trust in that something is wrong and we put our trust in government they go- I'm going to be taken care of for the rest of my life let me bust your bubble right now your family might take care of you when you're drooling all over yourself come on say hallelujah I want you to be 100 years old but let's paint that picture for a moment huh? in whom can I trust? Where can I put my trust? In fact, let me not try to cover the sky with my hands, even in religious circles. You've got to be careful in whom you trust. Some people say one thing and then later on it actually means something entirely different. In the name of the Lord. How many conquests And how many exploitations have happened in the history of mankind? You don't have to be a a scholar. Just read some of it. And you find colonization here and colonization there. I I love what Dr. Uh, Sunshan Ra says. He says, what some people call evangelism, others would call colonization. The exploitation of human beings. And the church oftentimes has been the crusader for what appears to be good. But in reality, it is so far from the mark of what God intended and wanted. I read in my Bible that we need to take care of the orphan and the widow and be a voice for those that, can't, that don't have a voice. That's what I read in the Bible. I read about a Jesus who turned over tables because finances were being handled incorrectly for the gain of a few and not for the benefit of all. That's the problem with that. Come on, you can clap your hands and say hallelujah. From... Well, even the church. But. Capital B, capital U, capital T. But. There is a God, as we just sung, that is a God alone. the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The beginning and the end. A God that loves you and loves me when we're good, but loves you and me when we're bad also. A God that loves us when we have a crowd of people cheering us on and when everyone has ab- abandoned us, loves us all along. A God that loves, loves you when you praise him and even in those moments when you can't take it anymore and you curse him out, he still loves you. Come on, praise the Lord with me for a moment. The psalmist says the following. He says, he says whoever dwells, I love that word dwell. That means that you intentionally want to be with. That's Dwell. And the the English language is rendered without the depth or power of emotion. I'm going to clarify with this for you in a moment as we go to original language and original intent. But dwell is just that, that I want to be with. You know, there's some people you want to be with and there's some people that you just put up with. Don't look at the person sitting next to you right now. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? Well, if you won't say the truth, I'll say the truth. There's people that you're glad they came over to visit you. And then there's others that say, oh, he came over again. Believe it or not, I'm here to comfort you. But sometimes we have to be made uncomfortable. Here, dwell means that I intentionally, inside of me, for no benefit of myself, I'm going to dwell. And back to Jay, Jason was an example of that. You never heard him sing a song. You never heard him preach a message. You never, you never heard, in fact, we didn't even ask him to be an attendant or an usher. He just went up there and did it. You know it's true. Because he wanted to dwell. He is a personification of I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Hallelujah. And we're having a memorial service on Thursday. But this is important so that we can receive some soothing uh, push from the Holy Spirit in our lives. To dwell is to intentionally church. To intentionally be a part of, be aggregated to, to intentionally be uh, incorporated, being uh, woven into, being sewn into. In the Old Testament, when it talks about marriage specifically, and it says that uh, the the woman, uh, he created the woman, book of Genesis, and she's going to be a helpmate to him. The original language says that she is soldered to him. Not walking alongside, but becoming one, soldered metal soldered that's what he's talking about and so to be to dwell is to to want to in church when you want to dwell it doesn't matter if it's raining outside snowing outside if it's cold it doesn't matter who's preaching who's leading worship it doesn't matter if the clothes are iron or not iron just make sure you have deodorant on everything else we'll we'll be able to put up with but it doesn't matter whether the shoes match the socks don't match i'm going to dwell it doesn't matter whether I'm up or down, blessed, or in famine, or, or if, I'm, if people like me, don't like me. If, I, if I'm in the mood, watch what you do when you're in the mood. Sometimes when you do things in the mood, it gets you into trouble. So it's in the mood, out of the mood, high, low, in the sense of my emotions, I'm going to dwell. In whom? Come on, praise the Lord with me. In whom? Dwell. Intention. God, doesn't, God could force us to do things. But when he created us, he allowed us to have this free will that we decide. That's why when things blow up and we suffer consequences in our lives, it is not God's fault. It is that he gave you the room to decide. You happen to make the wrong decision. You opened the wrong door. That's all it is. But we have to dwell, and I love this part. It says, uh, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, the word shelter is very weak. When you go back to the original language, the the word shelter, because shelter is someplace that I'm going to hide. It's going to rain, so the umbrella is my shelter. It's going to snow, so I'm going to find covering. That's what the word shelter uh, brings to light in, in the English language. And I understand that, but it does not mean that at all. If you go to original language, and let me just bear with you, follow me as I teach this for a moment, the word shelter in the original language is better described in the language that's going to be spoken in heaven, Spanish. For you non-Spanish speakers, please forgive me, bear my bias. The word shelter in Spanish is rendered abrigo, which is coat, but you know, it's now October already, right? So fall, we're going to be going into winter. And in your home, in your closet, you have your coats. And if you're blessed, you have 9, 10, 15. And if you're not so blessed, you have 9, 10, 15, because you just charge and get what you want. But there's a coat, I know with me, there's a coat that doesn't match with anything I wear. There's a coat that's missing buttons. There's a coat that is all ragged. Come on, I'm not the only one. But you go to that closet and you have the real fancy one. You have the one that's in the cellophane covering so no dust will get in it. You have the other one that, whatever. However, you put aluminum foil around it. There's a coat in that that you only wear for special services, come on. Come on, I've seen you wear it. It looks very nice on you. There's some coats that you put on that actually hide stuff that should be hidden. Let me go to this side because this side's getting uh, aggressive right now. But then there's that one coat that you go in there and you don't care what people say, what they think. You put it on when you feel good. You put it on when you don't feel good. And here's what happened. The moment, and it happens to me all the time. Please bear with me for my indiscretion of taking my jacket off. That coat is hanging in there and I go and I see all the coats. But when I put that abrigo, it just, you might not like it because it doesn't match with anything else. It won't even fit you because you're, you exercise every day. But when I put it on, I feel so good. So smart. Isn't it true? Come on, you can clap if it's true. That's what the psalmist is saying here. He says, I intentionally dwell, but where am I going to dwell? I'm going to dwell in the shelter of a place of comfort, a place that is particular to me, a place that speaks to my context and my situation, a, t- a, a place that understands that fits well. Others might not like it, but for me is the best thing that can happen to me today. Yeah. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, uh, visitors, that's the relationship that God wants to have with you, that you have an aha moment that instead of tension, because I'm going to church, and they're going to do something that's going to make me embarrassed. No, it's that tension that when the Lord envelopes you, you can go and shelter yourself. In that abrigo, in, the, in the, the, the coat, that soft coat. I wrote something on this in one of the devotional, You need to look it up. I need to look it up. Shelter, and then of what? And here's where it goes. In whom? Not in science. In whom? Not in knowledge. In whom? Not in gifting. In whom? Not in government. In whom? Not in the church. But I'm going to find shelter in and rest in the shadow of the most high wait wait the the term most high let me just bring it down to our urban context nobody better nobody higher nobody more powerful god is it you can't go higher because he is the maximum In the word, the word omni means all. So he's omnipresent, omnipowerful. He can function in a way that no one else could. He can stick closer to you than the closest person that has ever been with you down the journeys and the bumps of life. And we find shelter in that God. What God? The God that is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The God that is the beginning and the end. The God that is so mighty that he created everything that exists simply by speaking. You try that. You try The next time the traffic light stops you, speak to the light, turn green. Turn green, I said. You know what's going to happen? This artery over here, this vein is going to blow up, and you got to be careful. You're better off just chilling out, Amen. have your cup of Bustello coffee, you'll be fine, and wait till light changes. Because <laughs> you know it's true. There's nothing that you could do in your own name. There's nothing you could do by shop. try creating something by saying. Try it. Cosquiasco Bridge, at eight o'clock this morning, fall. Well, if you prayed that, you probably read the paper and you knew that they were going to do that this morning. Yes? They imploded it. You heard the shock this morning? Yeah. Some of you thought God was coming. That's why you came here today. This place is packed <laughs> today. Oh, it's happening. I'm going to die. <laughs> no, that was a caskiosko bridge. They said 8 o'clock. It was an 8 o'clock shop. I was outside talking to the cops. when the Boom, I heard that. I went, oh, what's that? It's the Kosciuszko Bridge. We can't do anything by speaking. We can barely do things by using our hands. But God, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, that he said, let there be, and there was. Jesus in the New Testament told the storm to stop and his voice simply the nature heard him I firmly believe that because there would have been more damage done by this series of hurricanes that just happened if a church didn't cry out to God but it wasn't our voice that that derailed it and let it go somewhere else it was really God's moving the winds and allowing things to go in a different path you might not believe that but grant me a little bit of room right now I believe that statistically speaking, I'm going to go off on a tangent here, statistically speaking, there is no way that 3.5 million Puerto Rican Americans living in Puerto Rico, so far we only have 18 deaths. That doesn't make sense. There should have been hundreds or thousands. And by the way, of those 18 deaths, how many of those cannot even be connected to the hurricane? There were simply people that die every day. That's miraculous. But you and I can't do that. We can intercede and pray. In whom? He says, we need to believe in this God in church today. We're hurting, we're in sorrow. There's questions inside of us. Why? My brother called me up yesterday and he doesn't come to church at all and he has a questionable faith in God, but he called me yesterday weeping and he's telling me it's not fair, it's not fair. I didn't even know he knew Jason. I didn't even know that. And he said, it's not fair that someone like that, this would happen. Yes, it's okay to ask those questions, church, but don't let your faith in God change. God is fully aware of what he's done. God is full. He's sovereign. Sovereign is satisfied within himself. Does not have to give account to anyone. And a decision has been made. You and I would be uh, daring to even question. And I'm not saying that we're not going to hurt. Hurt. But God is sovereign. He determines. He determines your beginning, your first day, and your last day. The thing is that we want to know. I don't want to know. I want to live to be 100 years old. And you say, Pastor, let me, be, let me believe that. The way you eat, you're not going to live. I'm, let me believe that. Huh? We can't even determine that. In fact, you have plans for this afternoon, but you don't even know if those plans will be fulfilled. And I'm not saying something catastrophic is going to happen to you, but they may, you know, the, the restaurant may run out of food for you. You ever did that? One time I took Pastine for her birthday. By the way, last week was her birthday. Isn't she beautiful and gorgeous? My wife, you ask her how old she is, I won't say it, but we've been married 41 years. My purpose in life is to make her happy. And then to preach to you. I got my priorities straight. And I, one year, a few years ago, I wanted to take her because she liked, like, was liking lobster. And New York, New York has everything. New York even has the illegal stuff. But you knew that. <laughs> Church, and, I, and I, I researched and looked, and I found, it said, we are the best lobster place in the whole city of New York. That's it. I'm a surprise. And we took I don't know what we took. We went up there. I think we took the car. It was right by Rockefeller Center. I won't say anymore, so you won't go over there and picket them. No. And even the sign outside the best lobster in New York. We went in, sat down. I, I got her happy. <laughs> Sorry, sir, no lobster. Oh. True story, by the way. Oh so sometimes we bank, we look, we plan. Sometimes the best plan that you could have, let me show you the prayer for potential in your life. Whether it's business, whether it's relationship, whether it's ministry, what I'm involved in, whether it's whether you should marry somebody, not marry somebody, whether you should even buy a car or buy a new suit. You ready for this? It's it's explosive. Ready? This is the prayer that you should pray. Whether you should do that business deal, not do that business deal, and on and on. No, come on, say, I'll tell you Wednesday. No, the prayer needs to be, and I dare you, Lord, have your will. Whatever you say. Some of us will pray, but we, that, because that implies obedience, submission, yielding, breaking down, getting something that I'm not asking for, or maybe that I don't want, but because he wants it for me. And we find in the text that it's trusting in the, and and what I love about the way it's phrased in the psalm, the shadow of the Almighty. Just, if he can do this in his shadow, imagine what he can do outside of his shadow. And we need to take shelter in the presence, in the peripheral presence of the Lord. And then he closes out by saying the following, here's what we need to get to church. In whom? In whom? He says uh, in verse 2, I will say, and there's some words that come out of the second verse. Uh, the second verse, I, my, my, I. Those are the words that come out. He personalizes this. He says, don't, don't, and don't practice this. Don't say, we will say of the Lord. You, I will say of the Lord. Don't say he is our refuge. No, he is my refuge. Our fortress. No, the psalm says mine. You, you need to personalize this. And realize that he's concerned about you today. He's concerned about this church and this faith community today. And why is it important in home, church? Because let's not cover the sky with our hands. We're hurting. It's painful. When you come here on Thursday, we're going to have a memorial service for him. And we'll have a casket here and we'll celebrate his life but then that service will end and we'll have to walk away like many of you have done with loved ones that have gone to eternity. And The moment of remembering the person in a worship service is one thing, but living with that person no longer present after you leave that service, that's I will dwell in the shelter of the Most High. In whom? Is, he is my fortress. It is in whom? So church, we, we need to face the reality of the pain and the loss that we have. Let's not pretend that we don't hurt. Let's not pretend that uh, no one will greet you now when you pull up your car. That no one will rush you now. Jason won't be around to rush you to go meet your family because they're waiting for you. That he won't tell you where your seat is. And all the things that he did, the little things that you say "What, You know, some of you, you, I saw some of your, your, your emails and... You know, he made, he, some, one, some, one family said, he's the first person that made me feel welcome in this place. Wow, we have all these people here that are supposed to be welcomers. And we never gave him that thinking that he couldn't, really. But he did more because he loved the Lord, loved this church, loved you, loved community. This coming Thursday, the community's coming out. We need to be prepared for a big service here as far as attendance. And I've already had people approach me in the community that don't follow our faith tradition, but they said, because of him, I'm going to be there. There's a man, I'm sure he's Muslim. We've talked for a while. He said, I love him. He says, I have to be. It's my day off, but I'm coming into the city to be there. The Jewish family in the building that I live, the lady said the same thing. The store owners around here, Citibank, not Citibank, the workers at Citibank, they want to be here. I ask myself, you have to ask yourself too, what did he do that I should be doing? Hallelujah. How do people see love and compassion and Christ in him? And you and I, we sometimes have a more lofty view of ourselves. And it's the simple day-to-day things. Because I think Jason discovered in home. And I pray that you and I, we can discover that in home as well. And he didn't care whether you're in the Spanish service. And even the guys here in the corner store talk highly of him. You know, how does that happen? Because his collateral was love for someone else. That's what it was, love for someone else. And I want to encourage you, church, that we can uh, hurt and cry and mourn, but that we can learn as well. Learn in the in-home. Jason was trusting and having confidence. And I think and if we do that, that will bring true honor to someone as huge. Jason is a huge person. Yeah. We will never, ever forget him. He marked our lives personally and as a church. And visitors that are not here, we feel honestly feel bad that you weren't able to meet him. Yeah. He would have marked your life as well. Let's bow our heads. Father, this weekend has been a weekend of tears, a weekend of questions, but for so many of us, it isn't a a weekend of losing faith. No, we, we love you. It isn't even a weekend of having our questions answered. We still have questions, but Lord, we want to hide in your shadow. We love you nonetheless. And for those familiar with Jason, it is the loss of Jason. But for others that are here that never met him, it's the loss of a relationship. It's the loss of a job opportunity. It's the the loss of confidence. It's the loss of health. It's sickness visiting their journey. It's being triangulated into a, a business deal that the person was not looking for. Let them discover in home. Let today be the day when the eyes are opened, the heart is receptive, and that we can embrace not a church experience, but a personal relationship with you. Church, why don't we stand with a lot of reverence? And let's maintain this moment of meditation and I feel urged to pray you into a new season in your life. Whatever it is, a new perspective, the blinders have been taken off. You've been trusting the wrong thing. You've had your confidence placed in the wrong person. Let the Lord come into your heart. Make him the centerpiece of your journey. Everything will work out because of that relationship. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I am going to ask you to walk out of your seat and stand here before me. And I want to offer up a simple prayer of confession. Just step out of your seat. Come. You need to restart with that marriage, restart in your parenting. The job, yes, it's important. God doesn't care about you because of your title and your achievements professionally. He wants your heart. Come. Come. This is the day. Let me pray with you.